like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to my show. Remember, each week this is the place you go to when you want to learn the latest in what's happening in the paranormal world, the UFO world, cryptozoological, angels, heaven, near death, all of it, and it's your personal story. How about that? You get to learn what your neighbor is experiencing because obviously we still haven't made enough progress where we are talking to each other about these situations. So instead, they reach out to somebody like myself and uh, try to lend some insight or just share it. Some people just want to share and get it off their chest. So if that's you or if that's somebody you know, if there's a story or you're researching something or if there's something you want me to cover here on the program, go to HeidiHollis.com and tell me about it. Give as much details as you possibly can because it really helps to paint a picture. And in all honesty, I don't care if it takes up the whole show. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> We're just going to go from there and pick it apart and try to best understand it. Uh, I am somebody who doesn't try to judge a person and say, oh, no, that can't happen that way. Uh, Because I think this world is always expanding and growing. And I think we're getting these pieces to this big puzzle. And sometimes it just fits. And it goes, oh, I get it. That so makes more sense now. So tell me these little parts. Tell it. Because we're all listening. We're all paying attention. And, um, you know, we're getting places. So trust the process. <laughs> so again, HeidiHollis.com, tell me all about it, uh, or ShadowFolks.com. And also check out my paranormal comic strip at TheOutlandersComic.com or on Instagram at the same place. Uh, you know what? I've got a really interesting conversation coming up with you. This Paul Viquette, he has a couple of novels that he's based on actual things that have occurred. And if you get into things like the Da Vinci Code and things of that nature, you're going to dig this conversation as well. 
But before we get into that, I have an interesting conversation I want to have with you guys because, oh, my mind is being blown, absolutely being blown about um, what this reality really encases. Okay, so I've interviewed so many different types of people. Reincarnation experts in particular have always fascinated me. And um, there's something that I got into a conversation with uh, some folks and then I, I read up on some articles and, and here's a thought. Here's a thought I want to put out there to you that, um, oh, okay. So if you can get in your mind that potentially reincarnation is a thing, all right? And, and I spoke recently to uh, some folks that are Catholic and kind of kind of high up and, and in there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the conversation, and this is not something that is, is commonly spoken of, let's put it this way. So the conversation was, um, I'm trying to think the best way to put this. Okay, so Jesus with the disciples, uh, they asked Jesus, uh, we thought that uh, Elijah was supposed to come before you to prepare the way before you would arrive. And he said, well, he did. Jesus says, uh, according to the Bible, he did. You did not recognize him. It was John the Baptist. And that's uh, a part of the Bible that people will point to that, see, reincarnation was acknowledged even by Jesus. Like, oh, wow, that's that's deep. And um, it, it's something that personally I didn't dig into. I wasn't quite aware of. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of elements of the Bible. It seems like you, you read it and you read it again and you, you learn and find new things, right? Uh, so I had a conversation with somebody um, uh, recently and along those lines, and, and it was acknowledged that, yes, you know, that in fact, uh, the Catholic Church apparently had taught that doctrine about reincarnation being a real phenomenon. And, um, and if you listen and read some of the um, research out there when it comes to reincarnation, it has been proven. And uh, amazingly, some of the people in certain parts of the world, especially in uh, Asian parts of the world, uh, the people reincarnate within the same family and they they have scars and memories and and like absolutely traceable stuff to you know children saying I I died over here and and this is still hurting me and I got the scar and or this this birthmark type of thing and so birthmarks and uh, people that get hypnotically regressed they recall. Uh, also why they have like a a tumor somewhere or a scar or a pain or something or a deformity. They lost their ear in a former life. And and these scars and marks actually carry over and on. And uh, so this is, this is a phenomenon that's been researched and spoken on for years. And uh, ask anybody who's been hypnotically regressed and how they recall a past life. They recall something that they've done. And, um, and, it, and it helps them in this lifetime to grow. And uh, I, I find that to be absolutely just fascinating and intriguing. And, and if you haven't dug into the topic, be, be prepared to have your mind blown um, because when you think about it, what do these people have to gain to really talk about it? I mean, it's not, again, it's not something that you're going to make a living off from to share. And it's not like you're going to be revered as, woo, you're something cool. But one of the things that, um, you know, that I saw early on when I, I did start 
uh, hearing these stories of reincarnation, it, it was a bit dismaying that everybody felt that they were a king or queen or, you know, nobody's cleaned the toilets, you know, nobody uh, picked up after the animals or something, you know, it was just always uh, something of, of great prestige. And, uh, and, but for all we know, those people had a reincarnation and they worked their way up to become uh, that king or queen. So they just don't care to talk about that lifetime where they, they did clean up uh, after animals, you know, or something, you know, for all we know. Um, so I'm thinking about that. Oh, it, this is also important to note that in like Western societies, uh, <laughs> we take longer to reincarnate, uh, apparently, uh, on average, uh, it's like 10, 20 years or something. And, and then other countries, it's a lot shorter. It's, it could be mere months uh, that they reincarnate because their belief system is as such that they're more open to the idea of uh, coming back. And, and I, I find that cool, you know, like who who would have thought that that is uh, something that um, <laughs> it, it's like, well, of course, we'll, we'll see you later, George, you know, and hopefully you'll be my next kid, you know, wow. Um, but here we expect to see our past loved ones. So they wait for us um, on the other side, like that's the thought. All right. So okay, so this is this is mind blowing. Okay, so check this out. What if? What if that is truly the case. That's truly the case. And so we know we're going to be reincarnated. And we also know what more than likely is happening in our family group, right? Within the same line of, of people, like uh, people are uh, once the daughter and they're the father the next time. Like these are the patterns, okay? So, you know, we wonder about the greed of people who have a lot of money, right? And they just keep hoarding things and and stacking up their millions. And, uh, you know, we're not even thinking along the lines of reptilians that live uh, <laughs> a thousand years and they shed their skin and they become a different person. Like, that's also another rumor, but um, not as factually based. But, you know, um, if you follow some of the research about that, not, not everything is, is human among us. Okay. Um, who knows? Uh, I've seen some crazy things, and I have met people who have seen shape-shifting reptilians, and um, I'm pretty sure I've met some uh, myself, and uh, I have seen some things that just are not of this universe. Um, can they shed their skin and look different? I'm sure. Um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> get this. All right, so say you are an old geezer, and you're like, you know, multimillionaire, and you just keep buying up properties, and everybody's like, you know, you took that, that you took advantage of, of a poor farmer, and you, you know, totally ripped them off and grabbed their land, and they they are just ruthless in it, and you just don't understand. It's like you're, you got one foot in the grave and one foot out. That doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? Why are these people doing this? It's like, oh, for their their children, their you know grandchildren, great grandchildren, you know, trying to develop wealth that extends on and on. We all know about uh, family wealth, right? It, if you your family starts with nothing and you have to build that up so your kids can live a better life and, and pass that on, pass the business on. You know, uh, a lot of people, all they had to do was land here in uh, the United States and boop. Hey, did you want some farmland? Here you go. You can have that. And and that gave family wealth. 
And that family wealth was passed on traditionally, right? And it perpetuates. And if you happen to be of a, of a slave um, uh, family, and you start with nothing, and then you're limited on what you can have after you're not a slave, and it's a bit harder. And then, you know, redlining of, of neighborhoods and, uh, you know, not getting the loan, and it's it's a bit harder to gather uh, things, right? So imagine this. If you know and you have this great understanding, which a lot of people, a lot of more wealthy people are able to uh, gather and and live in another understanding of this reality and technologies and research and uh, have things proven to them and have personal presentations done. Imagine if they had factual proof and understanding how they do reincarnate within the same family and they have built this family wealth. And we say that you can't take it with you when you cross to the other side. What if, yeah, that's true. But you know you'll be back to enjoy the spoils of what you hoarded in your former lifetime. So yeah, you might actually be in a sense able to take it with you or store it because you know you'll be right back in that family line and you are going to have a great time spending it. How about them apples, huh? <laughs> apples. But isn't that crazy? So if reincarnation is true, and we are reincarnating usually within the same family line, and we're hoarders of wealth and fame and all of that stuff, you are essentially giving it back to yourself in your next lifetime. Gives a whole new meaning to generational wealth, doesn't it? Mm, mm, mm. Chew on that. All right. So <laughs> I just had to talk about that. We're going to have an interesting conversation here with Paul Viquette. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's easier than ever to become a Coast to Coast AM insider and have access to past shows, the Art Bell Vault with classic audio and interviews, and so much more. And you can listen to the show live or on demand with your computer or cell phone, and the audio streams are high quality and crystal clear. It's easy to become an insider. Just head on over to coasttocoastam.com, the website, and you'll find all the info right there. That's coasttocoastam.com, coasttocoastam.com. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are happy to announce that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached over 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows for free. So head on over to the Coast to Coast AM.com website and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. CoastToCoastAM.com is where you want to be. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. As promised, I have an interesting guest. I have Paul Vaquette, who is a 13-year veteran of the Air Force. And during one of his assignments, he accidentally discovered a secret basement that housed a huge cryogenic chamber likely used to store cadavers from UFO crashes. His first book chronicles his meditational experiences and transmissions with an advanced race and contact with people who have extraordinary abilities and experiences. His second book is based on a real-life person where, during an alien abduction, she was given the ability to manipulate energy waves. So I'd like to welcome Paul Vickett to the show. How are you doing today there, Paul? Very well, thank you. 
So you've got a couple of novels that are fascinating. Can you tell us a little background first, though? Like what got you interested in the topics that you are currently diving into? Right. Well, um, the first novel is uh, somewhat autobiographical. Uh, So it uh, takes into account 10 years of my experiences and condenses into two weeks uh, to give it some plot. But uh, essentially it all started when, when I was an officer in the air force and uh, I discovered a secret basement that uh, had a cryogenic chamber. So I figured we kept the cadavers from, from Roswell and and sure enough, it kind of matches the story from uh, people that have been researching Roswell and uh, just a, a lot of uh, experiences were happening to me um, in the span of, uh, you know, 10 years, so starting with uh, 2009, when I started to meditate, there were things that were happening, and uh, I, I began to write a blog. And um, once I uh, applied for the, the military again, um, I'm back with the U.S. Army, uh, I needed to remove the blog, but I kept all the information. And so with all that information, I, I put it into the book, which is based on people that I've met, experiences that I've had, either out-of-body experiences in meditation or um, other experiences with psychic people that you know, were mediums for me, where I had transmissions from, from other entities. And uh, the second book is nothing more than a prequel of the first one um, based on one of the characters in, in, in the first one. Can I ask you, uh, so to back it up a little bit. So you, you came across a, you said a cryogenic chamber where the beings from Roswell were kept. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And you're a second Lieutenant in the air force at the time. I was a captain in the Air Force. I was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Uh, okay. I was a construction manager. And um, at, at that time, one of my uh, duties in, involved um, going in uh, the second floor of a building uh, which housed uh, Foreign Technology Division. And Foreign Technology Division is meant to uh, – it was set up – to evaluate uh, threats, weaknesses, strengths from foreign entities. And then uh, the base that I was at, Wright-Patterson, was the research and development arm of the Air Force, where they would take that information and set up uh, weapon systems to combat um, or take advantage of weaknesses. So uh, Foreign Technology Division was where I found that secret basement. It, it, It was in a warehouse type building, very large. Uh, when you walked in, even if you had a top secret clearance, uh, you still had to be escorted. Um, it was compartmented so that uh, there, there were no numbers on the doors, no names. People that worked in one office didn't know what was going on in the other office, no directories. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, very, very uh, sensitive stuff going on in there. My goodness. And, yeah. How did, uh, how did you pull that together? to to know that it was uh roswell connected i mean did your mind go there right away or what yeah i guess, I guess so because um first of all the direct the cryogenic chamber was uh the, the dimension was like 70 by 90 feet huge and you know when you figure okay it's it's in four technology division so 
if you expand foreign technology beyond just our uh, adversaries on earth, then you start to get an idea that, um, well, maybe they are applying uh, the mission of foreign technology to things beyond Hmm. earth as well. That's amazing. It was that big. Oil was huge. Yeah. What were they throwing armies of aliens in there? That's that's humongous. I don't I don't know. Um, I didn't I don't even know how to gain access to to the basement. Um, I, I just saw it. Uh, I I saw the drawings for it. That is um, because the, the drawings were in a set of drawings that were used for me. Uh, I used them to evaluate a project that was going on, on the second floor. They're yeah. called as-builts. So an as-built drawing uh, represents uh, the condition of the facility at the time. And I, I looked twice to make sure that what I saw really matched the footprint of the building. And, and sure enough, it did. So that was sensitive information, I think, in, in that roll of drawings. And I had an escort. The escort did not notice me seeing those drawings. I rolled them up put them back. And I kept that all to myself until five years after I left the service. My goodness. And you, you won't get in trouble talking about this stuff as you are. All right. Let me tell you something. The, uh, the, the place that, uh, that I mentioned in in the book uh, and what I'm mentioning now, the building itself is gone. There's no sign of it there uh, right now. It would be like a parking lot if you looked at it on Google Earth where the site used to be, but it is gone. And you can't even if you uh, try and search demolition of building one at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, there's no information on it. They they have wiped it out. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. So if your mind went there right away that, gosh, this must be related to the Roswell crash, we're... You must have had interest in this topic for some time then beforehand, no? Yeah, um, you know, and, and it, I documented in, in in the first book um, how I developed my belief system and my interests, um, you know, starting when I was a uh, you know Catholic boy in school and questioning everything about uh, Catholicism and then uh, you know, having a, a, a deep interest in uh, space exploration and science fiction. Um, but I guess the, the one, believe it or not, the, the, the one thing that set me on the path was listening to a coast to coast show accidentally uh, when I was in high school, uh, I tuned in and I, and I was listening and Eric Von Duncan was speaking and he was speaking about the Bible and he was speaking about Ezekiel. And, you know, you put those two things together for me and you really have my interest. And wow. Yeah. I believe it. So you never personally experienced anything out of the ordinary? No, uh, I, I had, you know, I was a pre-normal in, in, in that respect. There, there was nothing extraordinary that was happening to me, you know, having abilities or anything like that. Not until I started to um, actually, you know, activate myself with meditation. That's when, that's when things started really happening. When people, when I started to meet people that uh, it, it, you know, were 
a part of a synchronicity, if you will, uh, on uh, the whole thing. And when I started to uh, meet psychics and psychics would tell me that I had a a special role, uh, that's when, that's when things started really to happen. And and when I started to put all everything together uh, and understand um, why they were happening to me. That's interesting. I hear a lot of people say, you know, uh, begin with meditating and reaching out and, and manifesting destiny. And uh, it does seem to work for a lot of people. It, I'm, I'm really always trying to figure out the pattern um, that happens to people once they open their minds, because for years I held a UFO paranormal discussion group for over 15 years and people would come just because they were interested in the topic. Right. But by the next month, the next meeting, they would come with a story that they experienced something. They saw a UFO or, or something else happened out of the ordinary. And I was like, what is this? It's like a triggering. I mean, what do you think that is that that's what happened to you once you started meditating? I, well, as I kind of write in the book, um, I think uh, everyone has some sort of role and uh, you don't really find out the role until things start to happen to you. And um for, for me, um, you know, things didn't begin to, to happen to me when, until I really settled here in West Virginia because uh, it was here uh, in West Virginia that I met a colonel that uh, happened to have all kinds of uh, experiences and uh, transmissions and visions related to um, Armageddon, related to... Um, you know, what people would call um, the Virgin Mary appearing to him, um, the angel Gabriel, and, and he thought he was going crazy. And and I explained to him, actually, in, in before he revealed all this to me, we were supposed to talk about um, UFOs in Antarctica. And before we sat down, I, I just stopped him in, in the middle of his tracks and I told him, Listen, you need to understand that we are in the middle of a spiritual war. And oh, that's amazing. With, and with that, he just opened up uh, and he didn't say anything to anyone, of course, for fear of being um, labeled as cra- crazy. Right. Know. Can we hold it right there? Because we've got to get to our next break. This is like a spiritual warfare Da Vinci Code-esque type of novels that you got going here. All based on reality deep, deep stuff. Well, you guys, we are going to get to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around for more Paul the Cat after this. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. 
Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM, and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I have Paul Viquette, and uh, he was sharing a story regarding an army colonel who he came across. And you both just had one of these bro moments where you guys realize you're, you're having these uh, these experiences that pulled you to a, a new level. And, and and of course, it's like, you know, here's the two, two military guys. It's like, I, I get it where it's like, there's a hesitation. Do I open up fully? And you totally just like stopped him. And you're like, hey, guy. I get you, you know, we're in a spiritual war. So how did that conversation continue? Um, well, he told me, uh, as I mentioned, uh, that he had been uh, visited by uh, someone that looked like Mary. Uh, he would go to a uh, shrine that uh, is devoted to um, 
Mary called the uh, Lady of, of Snow, Our Lady of Snow, and that's in Missouri. Um, and over there, he would get um, visions uh, while praying, praying. And uh, at one time, he was uh, given a vision of himself uh, giving a speech to uh, people in what appeared to be like an Armageddon, and they were about to uh, join forces against uh, evil, and evil did not appear human. And uh, so uh, he was just relaying all of these details to me. And Did and he I, say what it looked like? What did the evil look like? Yeah, they were like demons. They, um, he said that the sky opened up and, you know, the, these uh, demons uh, were using their, uh, you know, their, their superhuman forces to fight uh, our, our human uh, forces. And then when they were advancing on us, the sky opened up again and what appeared to be angels came down and started to fight with us. Mm. So literally so, like demonic, like something out of a, a drawing, an artist's rendition of demons. That's what he saw. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. And um, so I, I documented um, all of this and, uh, you know, I, I indicated to him that, you know, when I, when the time came that I was uh, writing the novel, because I didn't know I was going to write the novel when I talked to him, uh, I passed on that the chapter that he, uh, his character appears in, and he, he approved it. The character's name is uh, Gerald McGeorge. And obviously I, I don't state the name of the, the Colonel. As I, as I mentioned, um, the, the book, which is called The Disclosure Paradox, was uh, written to, to capture all of these uh, either individuals that I met or uh, anything that happened to me and, and tie it in where um, I bridge a gap between science and religion. And I also present the link between the extraterrestrial phenomenon and our spirituality. Amazing. And so you have, is, is this Colonel, he's, is he playing a main role in how he's connecting the dots between these two? Or is your character interjected in there connecting everything? The character of uh, Gerald McGeorge is uh, just inserted in there to present this side mm-hmm. of, of the story. Um, there's a couple characters that go cross country and um, in the journey, they, they meet different uh, people that help them with understanding why they're going across the country and their destination is Dulce, by the way. So he's, he's on the stop and you know, the, it's, it's just a way of reinforcing some points that I have in the novel. Fascinating. So when you, when you try to um, explain to people like this, this book has uh, presented a mixture of your background and those that you've come across. Like, how would you express? I know you're you're writing it as a novel to protect the identity of, of different people. How would you express what this whole book entails? Like, is it the answer to uh, what may happen in the end of this world? It's it's more of describing uh, our relationship with the rest of the universe it uh it explains the the function of the spirit and earth and it also gives a an opinion about disclosure that's why it's called the the disclosure paradox because the disclosure paradox uh, and the reader will find out in the end is the the question 
how can we improve ourselves if we're not allowed to know what's wrong with us? Mm, oh, that's, a, so, that's an interesting question because uh, so very true. It's like so much has kept from the public and it, you having had uh, the military experience that you do. And I always say, you know, it's our brothers, it's our sisters, it's our dads, it's our moms, our cousins that are in the military that are running the errands. And sometimes they need to vent and they do tell us, they do tell us what's going on. And they're so frustrated to be part of this machine of, of cover up. I mean, I, I just, uh, I can't imagine what that's like to try to sleep at night, knowing that you're part of another reality that most are not. It, it's a reality I, I have ex- accepted. Um, but it's uh, interesting enough. I, I didn't have any problem with the information that, that I've, found out back when I was a captain, it, it, it didn't bother me like some people would have bothered. Um, I, I just kept it uh, I, and I filed it away. And then when the time came, uh, I certainly recalled it uh, as succinctly as possible, documented it, and I used it. That's amazing. So what kind of person would want to dive into this first book of yours? Like what what would be the draw? What's the answers that you're able to present along the lines of beware of or how to prepare for? This uh, book was meant to, as I mentioned, uh, you know, bridge the gap between uh, science and religion. So I have uh, had individuals that were religious to read it and uh, have uh, given it praise. And I've also had some individuals that were atheists that uh, read it and, and, you know, kind of <laughs> accepted things. But it, it appears that, you know, atheists are much more, um, I, I guess, uh, vigilant about defending their uh, opinion uh, on, you know, nothing being there. And, and this book uh, explains that, you know, if you're an atheist, um, you have to understand that there are forces that we cannot see that actually um, guide us in our lives and guides the rest of the universe. And if you are a religious person, you need to understand those forces are explained through science. Certainly one way to look at it. Now, you're saying that uh, the second book of yours, this is kind of uh, uh, takes part in, behind this uh, in this first book. I mean, how does this connect? When, the, uh, when I wrote the, the first book, you know, I had uh, contact with all kinds of people that uh, I indicated that I wanted to f- fictionalize the, uh, them into characters in the novel. And one of them uh, was... Uh, a woman that I call Katrina in the, in the first book. And she was uh, important in the first book because she is a psychokinetic uh, person. She could recognize energy uh, just like sonar recognizes objects in the water. She could recognize energy and actually revert it back to its source. And she also has the ability to remote view. So um, there was, you know, I, I made friends with uh, the individual uh, and she and I would have a lot of calls and and messaging about um, these things that were that have happened to her throughout her life. And I thought it was just absolutely amazing. Um, the, this is uh, actually a, a possibility for a, a, an, an entirely, you know, separate novel. And 
she encouraged me to to investigate that to to explore that and and i did just about everything in that second book which is called what doesn't kill her and it's a prequel to the first one um is is true about her um all of the uh, events that happened um, she was uh prized by uh, cia rogue agents she was prized by um al-qaeda as a trophy and um wow all those uh, all those entities how did they find her i mean how did this even come to be in her life it's because uh she was raised in a community that was targeted as a like a laboratory for rogue cia operatives uh for experiments on the mind and so uh, what she told me and what her she uh, her father told her, her father was naval intelligence was that um, the CIA at uh, one time was using military communities as specimen for uh, experiments uh, w- without those people knowing. And so she was in one of those communities. I'm not surprised. They've done it on the general population until they got caught. Then it's like, oh, we're so sorry. We don't know how that happened when they've been doing it all along. Uh, They they don't admit until caught. And then it's a big deal uh, or not. (laughs) Wow. So she was uh, a military family and uh, they were exposing her to things, maybe giving her vitamins of some sort that uh, heightened her senses to be able to do things. and, And she got picked out. Of the crowd. She was, uh, well, uh, she was born, not, but she was not, she wasn't born with the uh, uh, ability. Mm-hmm. She was abducted as a, a youngster and her brother was also abducted. Um, Alien abductions we're talking? Yes, because uh, her father um, was uh, involved in Roswell. Fun, uh, funny that. You know, ah, okay, gotcha. All right. This should make everybody who has ever uh, lived in any of those military communities feel a little bit more nervous than usual. But of course, as mentioned, this has happened to the general population as well. I I don't know who the government thinks they are. I, I thought they worked for the population. And then they go and do whatever the heck they want and play with people's lives. Uh, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, who are these people? Why would this be allowed? And why would anybody, any family member of ours that would be part of the military, allow it? These are questions that make me scratch my head. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of regret out there. And also a lot of compliance that's hoping they are benefiting somehow. Disturbing. Well, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. My name is Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com. Over five years ago, George Norrie approached me with a unique concept, a dating site for people searching for someone with interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal. From that, ParanormalDate.com was born. It's a unique site for unique people, and it's free to join to look around. If you want to upgrade and enjoy more of our great features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. So check it out. You got nothing to lose. ParanormalDate.com. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut. And I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I have Paul Viquette, and we are speaking on uh, some of his novels that he's written based on actual occurrences and actual people. And one of them is Katrina, who was, has psychic kinetic abilities and was essentially housed and uh, made to be encouraged to have uh, these uh, heightened abilities because uh, rogue CIA operative uh, communities, I guess this is what they do. They serve it over dinner. Uh, I don't know, but it's it's fascinating. But Paul, I wanted to get into some of the, the finer details of what kinds of things 
was Katrina, uh, what happened to her? So you say Al-Qaeda was interested in her uh, using her for certain things. And so were uh, CIA operatives. So like what? What happened? Well, it, it, first it began uh, where uh, she was at her brother's deathbed. And uh, one of the rogue CIA agents who, you know, they pose as uh, doctors, uh, healthcare uh, providers in the towns so, so that they gain the trust of the uh, community. Uh, was there and he, he noticed a, a paranormal event. He went to her and asked her what's going on. And she, uh, you know, honestly did not know what's going on. He advised her to contact another doctor who's also Rose as a um, psych- psychiatrist. And during the psychiatric evaluation, uh, that's where they discovered that she had this ability. And, and after that, they actually um, used electromagnetic, bioelectromagnetic torture on her uh, until she was able to, well, un- until she was able to understand what was going on. Somewhere in, in the story, she, she meets up with uh, an individual who is actually CIA, understands her um, problem, um, and helps her understand how to control her ability because that's the one thing that the Roxia agents uh, recognize that she didn't have control. And in the course of them trying to torture her, she retaliates, uh, destroys equipment with her mind, uh, and even kills one or two people. Oh, goodness. So how were they torturing her? They were sending like some kind of microwaves at her? What were they doing? Right. They've uh, apparently they bombard her with some sort of um, they they call it bioelectromagnetic energy. Um, wow. I mean that's all that she mentions, and um, I, I think it's pretty similar to what the the Russians were doing uh, to the United States. Havana syndrome. Uh, happened to her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh wow, that's crazy. So, and how did Al Qaeda get a hold of her? I mean, what are we saying? Like she was. Uh, taken by them, used by them? No, they never, uh, they were just trying to, um, they were trying to understand her. Uh, They're trying to understand her weaknesses and uh, so that they can, uh, you know, take uh, advantage of her. She had a brother who was an NSA and uh, her brother uh, knew an individual that turned out to be Al-Qaeda that wanted to uh, talk to, to Katrina and she learned that uh, this in- individual had some some bad ideas about um, her. So she was able to repel him. And uh, in fact, he also tried to uh, do some bioelectric magnetic torture as well. And the interesting thing that she learned is, is that um, her psychokinetic uh, abilities and remote viewing um, is not just the United States. Um, Al-Qaeda had people like that too. So um, in, in reality, you know, the, the abilities are common uh, all over the world right. uh, in, in one way or another. Right. So they're finding these people and they're trying to weaponize them essentially. Correct. And, uh, so was she essentially weaponized somehow or was she just happening uh, to evade everybody? Well, she was, ha- she was able to evade um, by, by way of, you know, of, of repelling them, of uh, retaliation. She had much more power. Book says, um, what doesn't kill her, you know, uh, complete the sentence, mm-hmm. makes her stronger. So every time that they would 
uh, try this type of torture on her, um, it would get her close to death, but it would also strengthen her mind. And with, with every time that, that they were um, doing this, she would gain more power and more ability to do things. I see. So she was confronted repeatedly by these people face to face at times where they would intercept her or was she just being bombarded at her home and uh, thinking it was them or did they say we're going to get you unless you work for us? How did this happen? Yeah. Um, she indicated that when uh, in, in earlier times, when she started to gain control of her abilities, she would able to see who was doing it. So she knew who, who was doing it. She also had a remote view um, ability. In, in fact, uh, in one point of her career, she worked for NASA. Um, she was also uh, working on the side for a remote viewing organization in Nevada, which uh, has a, a reputation right now. If you combine those two abilities, um, that's how she was able to figure out what was going on. Amazing. So, uh, so your stories, both of them, how can people, uh, what are they, what should they pull from this book in particular? Like the things that our rogue CIA agents are up to, or how does this, uh, play into the first novel well um the, the second novel is is more meant to be more entertaining but still it presents the the fact that the cia knows that there are rogue agents out there and they were hired for a reason but they don't have any control over them and they're not gonna make any effort to control them they're, they just let them do what they do and it's almost like as long as they're not doing anything against the government they're they're not going to do anything that's wild my goodness all right well um i, I have to say it's uh, quite unique uh, to pull them into uh novels like that and you've also had experiences you said that uh once you started meditating other things started to happen in your life can you give us a couple of examples on one meditation i was able to actually go through uh what we would call a wormhole uh it was an amazing experience and I didn't realize it um, only when I realized that I was uh, in that out-of-body experience, uh, everything ended. Uh, in the second uh, out-of-body experience I had was actually uh, seeing what people would say is, is heaven or God, where I saw a uh, indigo cloud ahead of me. And it was like a, a beehive of activity where uh, there were flashes of, um, of indigo all around. And as I got closer to it, there was a feeling of euphoria. And so it kind of made me feel that th this must be what they, they talk about with heaven. And what I realized was that those flashes were actually spirits. The spirits uh, combined make what we call the God energy or, or the, the source. So um, when I talked to somebody uh, uh, about that, they, they said not many people experience you know, or have the um, enjoyment to experience that that vision. And uh, so what I saw essentially was all the spirits between lives combined to make what we call um, the God energy. Wow. So now if people want to check out your books, your writings or anything about you, where should they go? Both of the books are available on Amazon and they're both uh, in hard copy and in Kindle form. I also have a, uh, a Facebook 
um, authors page. And that, that's, you know, my name, Paul Viquette. Um, and I, I have a Facebook group that's called The Disclosure Paradox. We discuss the topics that I cover in both of the books. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the program today. Fascinating angle on all of this. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. My pleasure. Wow. That uh, very deep, deep uh, stuff. You know, when we look at it as a whole, it's like, are you kidding me? So there are CIA operatives that are being hired to just hone in on people and families unsuspectingly. Isn't it enough that our military members sign on the dotted line and they're putting their lives forward to protect our rights and others? I mean, just what? So uh, what's in that contract that you sign on the dotted line? Uh, Allowed to experiment on my wife and kids and myself when we sleep at night, put something in the water, uh, you know, pose as medical professionals and have at us and try to see if I'm uh, or my kids are coming up with some kind of really cool abilities. It makes me wonder because I was part of a military family and uh, hello, here I sit as somebody who's had a lot of strange experiences. And I'll tell you, other researchers see these patterns within military families, having UFO encounters, having poltergeist activity, having different abilities. So did they tap into some, I don't know, ancient alien DNA under uh, (laughs) Antarctica and start injecting it into the drinking water and they called it fluoride or, you know, what? We don't know. We don't know. But this is a very, very distinctive pattern. This is not a coincidence. So what are we saying here? It's, um, there's something to it. There really is. And, and I wish that the powers that be who are us paying for them to have fun with our money and do what they want, they need to come clean. And they need to just tell us outright, why, why is this going on? We should be able to call upon whomever and say, why is this? Why, why are we having these strange things going on within military families in particular, or having these special abilities, and then having military abductions to come and check on us, you know? Uh, I'm raising my hand. This has happened to me fully. Ooh, so much. So much to dig into. So anyhow, we've come to the bottom of another fabulous program. Don't forget, go to HeidiHollis.com. Tell me your stories. Give as much detail as you can. Uh, ShadowFolks.com goes to the same website. And follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at one, Heidi Hollis. Put a one in front of it. And also TheOutlandersComic.com or at TheOutlanders on Instagram. Wow, a lot to unravel. Um, But, uh, you know, again, uh, be sure when you write me, tell me if you want to come on this program to start sharing your story. I am always reading off these emails. Don't mind it. I really don't. But man, it would be great to be able to ask people questions about what it is that they're sharing. So indicate that if you'd like to be one of the rare ones to come on and talk about it. Or if there's somebody you want me to interview. But um, hey, we'll just keep the show rolling. I'm still having a blast. All right, you guys, you have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com.